Welcome to the Hintonen District Chamber of Commerce. You are listening to Chamber Chatter, a podcast that features local Hinton businesses in interviews that will inspire, educate, and connect you to the local community resources you need and want as an entrepreneur. My name is Jessica Zimmer. I am the Chamber President and the Branch Manager at Hinton RBC. And I'm Paul Lovson, fellow board member, and I'm the store manager at the uh, Hinton Hill Friesen Brothers, and we are joined by Trevor Bamsey from Rocky Mountain Collective, and I would be remiss if I did not mention that he is a fellow left-winger on the Wings Athletic Club. Oh, <laughs> yeah. fun! Fellow yeah. prolific sniper, so <laughs> happy to be here. Yeah, glad oh. to have you, Trevor. Thanks, yeah. Guys. Well, welcome, Trevor. Yeah, we are super excited to have you. Um, maybe just to get us started, why don't you tell us a bit about your business? Um, yeah, so I own uh, three locations of the Rocky Mountain Collective. It's a legal cannabis retail store. And we started, uh, we founded it in 2018. So we were one of the first licenses in Alberta. And yeah, we op- shortly opened Jasper after. Yeah. Jasper yeah. just opened this summer? Uh, in March. Yeah. In March. Yeah. Just coming up on our one year. I gotta say, um, and I, I mentioned this briefly before we started, but your podcast is one that I, I find incredibly fascinating that I was really looking forward to because what you have done compared to a traditional entrepreneur, you must have had to basically learn policy and government legislation and all of these things just to start your business. Can, can you tell us a little bit of what that was like? Yeah, so it all started as right around Christmas on uh, 2017 and I was getting into stock investing mm-hmm. and I saw that cannabis stocks were starting to explode and really made me answer the, ask the question why uh-huh. and, and then I kind of got into it and I wow I, th- I think real like legalization is coming mm-hmm. and a retail side of the business let alone the growers as well right which is what the stocks were so um, it kind of piqued my interest, and at my current job, I had the opportunity to spend a little time on the research and build a business plan, and kind of that's where it all started, Christmas 2018. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, you were doing a lot of self-research. Was there other supports that you got? Like, were you able to kind of work with an advisor or something like that? Uh, nothing, no. So because cannabis was illegal at the time, mm-hmm. there was zero data on building business. So in, you know... If I was to mentor somebody now, yeah, I could show them the path to create a cannabis business. But when we first started, it was the Wild West. So I got all of my information, you know, with a grain of salt from the U.S. Wow. Luckily, they post a lot of their taxes online for mm-hmm. the public to see, uh, in legal states anyways. So we found a state like Oregon, you know, 4.2 million people, same as Alberta, three major centers. Huh. And I had to dig through tax um, information and that was really the only only research I could find and then we had to guess what the government was going to do oh my goodness so it was a it was it was a challenge for sure wild but, wild uh, west definitely it was a bit sounds of, <laughs> bit of a gamble for sure it was, it was fun it paid off though. it did but when you when you were in that when you're in the moment did you feel like I'm taking massive risks here like is this oh, is this yeah. gonna work out oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was significant investment and of course um, the banks had a hard time touching us, as you would know. Oh my goodness! Because was... it was an illegal industry mm-hmm. and unknown, and interest rates were off the charts. So we had to find alternative measures yeah. for private investors, which you know were kind enough to 
to gamble their money as well on us. And yeah, it, it worked out really well. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed and glad that you were able to make all of that happen because I think so many people would have looked at the obstacle and gone, wow, that seems like way too much work and my bank doesn't want to support me and, you know, I can't find any information on this. I guess I just won't make it happen. And you, and what's really neat when I think about Hinton and, and our cannabis here, the cannabis stores we have, is like you're local. Like you are someone, did you grow up at Hinton? I didn't. My uh, wife did. Right. Uh, I lived here for four years before I started the store, so. Wow. Yeah. But, but still, like, you know, a, a local, like a small one person <laughs> kind of going, all right, I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. That's wild. And the town of Hinton was really supportive at the time, um, so... You know, I don't want to say we created the bylaws together, but we were going through the same process. The town of Hinton had no idea. An administration of Danny and Marcel, and they really didn't know what to expect either. And it was, it was a work in progress for everybody involved. And the town was really supportive. You know, you go to neighboring towns, and they weren't so supportive, and that's why they didn't have stores coming in because they didn't have the bylaws in place. Uh-huh when cannabis was legalized, whereas we did. Right. That was They're, maybe me pushing um, administration to create those bylaws before October 2018 when it came into place. And so, so we were ready to go. Yeah. So it, it wow. was legal in October 2018 to, to purchase from a physical store. Correct, yeah. Was it, was it legal online prior to that, or it all happened October 2018? All, we'll call it black market before yes. October 18th, okay. yeah. 2018, yeah. And when did you open your doors? Uh, we opened November 4th, so AGLC was a little busy um, for the first couple of weeks, and we were uh, a little more rural, so it took them a couple of weeks to get out here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And just talk about, so you, you said you were in stocks prior, is that, is that correct when I say mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I just find it so fascinating that you were just looking at kind of the upshoot in cannabis stocks, and you know, it took an extreme gamble, and you know, to start kind of your own organization. Um, so while you were in your prior job, when was it that you took it full-time into Rocky Mountain Collective? It would be July. July, okay. So I signed my first leases in July, so a few months before legalization. And, you know, luckily I've got the skill set that I was able to uh, build all of our stores from scratch. So I took, I quit my current job at Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I started to be a carpenter for four months, and a janitor, and an accountant, and all that. But uh, you know, I, I've got a passion for carpentry as well as a hobby. So luckily, I was able to build our stores from scratch and build it to where we wanted it and what I thought cannabis would need it. And yeah, and that was a fun part of my job at the time. And yeah, that's were, yeah. were you signing leases, going? Sure hope that cannabis actually gets legalized and then I can actually open this store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, terrifying. And, 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 you know, typical government fashion, they were very limited on the information they were giving us. Yeah. You know, AGLC was, yeah, they were actually really great partners to work with and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for AGLC, but, um, and then being on top of it. However, the amount of paperwork is is overwhelming, which, you know, I, I don't mind paperwork, so that was also positive. Yeah. It scared a lot of people away, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, opening in late 2018, and then opening your, you opened both stores at the same time in yeah, Hinton? Yeah, in a couple weeks, yeah. Wow. And so that's a bold move as well. You were so confident. I mean, it's obviously worked out, but I'm just curious if, 
what made you be like, okay, I am, I'm going to make this happen and it's going to work well. And I'm not only going to make it happen in one's place, I'm going to do it in two at the same time. It's just knowing your demographic and doing the research before. So I knew from Coca-Cola, the Valley Freezing and the Hill Freezing, they have a different customer set and they've got, and you know, at the end of the day, it's a different customer. And I knew that Hinton's kind of a figure eight, if anyone knows Hinton. Mm -hmm. So there's a Valley customer and the Hill customer. So I just thought, you know, well, cater to one customer down there and one customer up on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Is there anything that you would do differently looking back now? Um, probably scaling, scaling the business was a little bit challenging. I think first to market's important, mm -hmm. which, you know, paid off in Hinton. However, Jasper has been a challenge because we weren't first to market. Mm. So I would have really probably pushed Jasper a little bit more as well and looked at Edson. Um, so if we were to scale, I think I would have scaled right off the bat mm -hmm. in my industry, and that's not everybody's industry is the same, but yeah. uh, in our industry, I believe that would have helped. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so then you you opened up two stores. How, at that point, how many, how many staff did you have? Uh, it was myself and a good friend of mine, Josh, who was my general manager at the time, yeah. and we worked 14 hours a day. Uh, I worked at the Valley, he worked at the Hill. And I think we had, we opened us really six staff. Gotcha. As but well. now we got 24. Yeah, which is just fantastic. You know, um, what's, um, you know, you go from, you know, being in Coca Cola rep and now boom, you know, you got 24 staff. Now, what's, I guess, the biggest hurdle or challenge you've seen managing people now? Because that's, mm. that's what I do, right? So, what, Me do, too. what do you see, you know? Um, I try to develop people, mm. is one of my passions, always has been, always will be. Um, so finding that right person, uh, finding the right staff, and trying to develop them into a bigger role, and some, some do want to develop and some don't. Mm -hmm. So I have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and say, okay, yeah, here. It's, it's managing expectations mm -hmm. for our staff, um, and just, you know, be empathetic. That's one thing I've had a challenge with, is is being empathetic with my staff. And I think they're, I'm getting better as, as time goes on. It, you know, I, I think managing people is, it's a lot harder than what we maybe originally expect it to be. And leading with empathy is something that I have myself done a, a lot of kind of self-studying on. And, and even just through World Banks, a lot of the leadership values really resonate with that because it's not something that comes naturally. I think a lot of the time you look at it and you want to go, why aren't you working the way I want? Why, why I would be working, right? And that's just not always the case. And I love what you say, you know, developing your team into into those goals that maybe you have for them and, and ones that they have for themselves. You sound like you're doing a good job, so. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, who knows? <laughs> that's the staff, yeah. I, I'm curious. You know, you've got the managing the people side of things, managing the operations, expanding stores. What's your favorite part about the work that you're doing? It's that I get to do a little piece of everything and it's not one thing all the time. So I've got, you know, six days of paperwork days and they're 12 hour days in the office. And then I'm, you know, doing the carpentry stuff and touching up the stores. And it's training staff and coaching them. And it's, you know, managing our operations, making sure that we got the right product mix for the customers and researching the industry to make sure we're on top of everything. Oh. So my favorite part of being a business owner is being able to do a little piece of absolutely everything rather than just your job is paperwork and you just sit in front of a computer all day long. I don't have that. 
Yeah. <laughs> and the flexibility, I suppose, to be where I want to be when I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have to be like actively in each store a certain amount of time? Do you feel like things are kind of going the way you need them to go? Or are you mm-hmm. able to step away? Uh, yeah, I'm able to step away. But at the same time, you know, I can cover everybody's job, but nobody can really cover my part of the role. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of the politics and paperwork. Um, anything to do with money and politics is kind of where I'm, I, I do my main role. And I hired a fantastic general manager in Siobhan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's managing the people and, you know, they, they love her. Uh, so I'm able to step away a little bit there and focus my efforts on uh, other parts of the business and growing. And, yeah. yeah. Being able to, to hire the right people and, and trust and delegate is huge. So well done. Mm-hmm. You want uh, to um, hire people smarter than you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about developing people and some people management. I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, mentorship. I know that was a big part of my personal development. And I know Jessica has expressed the same feelings as well. So just want to get your thoughts on, you know, um, have you been mentored or, or rather, um, have you been mentoring somebody as well in, in a similar role? Yeah, so my business partner, he's, uh, he's really just an, an investor. Um, he's got his own, own world. But uh, I look at him as more of a mentor than anything. Uh, and he's coached me through the big decisions. You know, the scaling side and the, a lot of the big people issues and, and where to invest the money and how to reinvest. So he's coached me through that mentorship. There's actually been a lot of great YouTube videos that I've watched over the years, um, just TED Talks even, and just and try and try and use other people's um, advice and experiences that they've been through. Um, so I've, I've you know self-learned, I suppose, yeah. um, rather than having a, a hard mentor. But it's something that I'm passionate about, and I believe that if you have a staff and they're financially healthy, and they're physically healthy, and they're not worried about money when they come to work. So we do financial coaching in our role. Um, you know, we help them adult, I suppose, in a mm-hmm. sense, I don't want to say that in a yeah. condescending way, but help them adult and help them grow as people, then they're gonna be better employees at work. Oh my so, goodness, that's amazing. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> sorry, sorry to cut yeah, you off, good, but yeah. I, I feel like that is something that is so lacking and so often, from the bank side of things, we're looking for ways to be those coaches and, and bring that financial liter- literacy aspect. To hear that care that you have for your team, that it comes from, I know that they're gonna be a better employee if they're taken care of, and I wanna help with that, that's incredible. I love that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's, I'm like, wow. it's the work culture that we create, and it's we want everybody to come to work, and you don't wanna be dreading your shift Sunday, like, oh, I don't wanna go into work. It's I want to go to work. It's it's a good place to be, and that's the culture that we're trying to create at work. Mm-hmm. And you know that's also part of the ma- you know the trouble of managing people is hopefully they fit into the culture, and you can't squeeze somebody into a culture. The culture comes with the diverse group that you hire. And, you know we got we got a little bit of everybody in the staff, and we do that for a reason. So that's amazing, yeah. though. And I, I a quote I heard a, a while back though is this culture can't be faked. You can tell if it's real. You can tell if it's authentic. When you walk into a business, if the people yeah. there seem just miserable. Um, and like, yeah, no, no one's 100% all of the time. But you can tell when it's being real. 
-hmm. and I feel like you're cultivating that, which is really impressive. Yeah, and that's that's one reason that we can, as a small business, we can compete with the bigger competitors is because you can't compete with authenticity. Yeah. So our customers come in and we're real people. Like we're we're neighbors mm -hmm. to them and and they know us and they've created relationships with us and you can't compete with authenticity and that's something that the big big box cannabis stores haven't you know, they've got great staff I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, our concept they can't compete with that and that's that's why we been successful. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, just while we're still on the subject of, of mentoring, have you been a mentor to anyone just with your experience and this whole wealth of knowledge you've been able to create? Yeah, I was uh, able to join, uh, it's called the Smart Start Program. Mm -hmm. um, so I was a business member of that for the last couple of years as a coach. Uh, it's been really rewarding. Mm. Um, it's been eye-opening as well. And I, the reason I wanted to join that is because it, I thought I could use a little bit of help and a little kickstart my own yeah. life and, and helping coach somebody through opening a business really opened my eyes and gave me a little bit of energy to, to keep going again. And, and honestly, that was part of, the, part of opening Jasper. Mm. Was It was at the same time and I was like, ah, you know what? I got a little more energy to do this. I'm, I got a little more invigoration. Let's go. Oh my God. Um, and there's been a couple of my friends that have started businesses that I've helped out as well. And, and really, at the end of the day, a strong business community supports each other and uh, part of the chamber, I suppose. But, yes, yeah. I, that is 100% it. I just got to say, this, what you just said there really speaks to your entrepreneur spirit. Mm -hmm. Because in my world, if I'm already taking on a whole big new thing, so like when you're saying, oh yeah, I'm opening up a whole new store in Jasper and jumping over all these hurdles, and while you're doing that, you're like, you know what, I'll take on a side gig of being a mentor. But I mean, I'm sure part of that must have been giving back in a way. Did you work with Community Futures before that, before the mentorship? Um, not necessarily. I've got a relationship with them. Um, you know, I sat down with them early on to yeah. figure help me with some of my business planning yeah. um, and financial goals in the business. So nice. they've been a, a, you know, a building block of our business from the start. But yeah, I haven't specifically worked with them, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and also I just want to circle back again to something else you said of a strong business community. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that's so deeply what the Chamber supports and, and what we're here for is supporting our business community, helping them grow, advocating for them, but also exactly that of, of letting, making sure the business owners know that they're not alone. And while your industry might be wildly different from some of our other members, you probably often are running into a lot of the same issues. Uh, and, and just not being alone in it is huge. Yeah, just little things like, I wish I had a mentor when I first started out. You know, nobody told me about source deductions. Oh, surprise, here's a large bill your first, first yeah. month, right? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And that's the kind of things that I would coach somebody. Mm -hmm. And anybody can be an entrepreneur. Anybody can start a business. But your business plan and, and creating a business, it's about, it's about setting yourself up for success. Because anybody can do it. Anybody can start a business. To make a successful business, that's different. Okay. And it's, you know, you can pump yourself up in a business plan and Say, oh yeah, here's all the positives. A business plan is to, you know, show you all the absolute hardest parts of opening business, and that's what I try to do in my mentors. Mm -hmm. Mentorship is to show people the real side of it rather than just all the, 
the fluff and the happy parts. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're, we're nearing the end of our time. Um, a few just last questions for you. Um, yeah, I know you've been a chamber member since you opened your doors, I think, or around that same yeah. time. Um, is there anything else, any other value that the chamber may have brought you in your in your couple years that you've been in business now? Um, it's the networking with other business owners. Mm -hmm. uh, I've created some relationships with a few long-standing business owners that I can call yeah. uh, when I when I've got some tough questions and they're okay to answer them, which is great. And I don't know if maybe maybe those guys wouldn't call me uh, or wouldn't answer my hard questions. If, uh, if we didn't have that relationship or the connection of the chamber, but um, yeah, it's it's helping each other out in tougher times rather than you know going for a, a coffee in good times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well said. Very well said. Um, I got a question. Um, if you could do it all over again, is there anything you'd do differently? You know, a little introspection to end it. Uh, that's a that's a really great question. Uh, I think about that all the time, but I never have a good answer for myself. Um, I would do it again. I'd do it the same way. Um, I think I would be more conscious of um, my my spending. Mm -hmm. So when times are really good, you spend more money, and when times are bad, you pinch all the money. I think I'd be more conscious of how, you know, of looking into the future. So, you know, when, you know, pandemic was good for cannabis industry, <laughs> you know, it's sad to say, but it, it is. We touched um, on this a little bit yeah. in our last podcast, not quite the cannabis side of things, but just the mm -hmm. level of stress and burnout that people were at. I could yeah. imagine it was not a bad time to be in that industry. No, it was great. And, you know, we, we had a lot of new customers come through at the doors and, you um, I'm glad they could find the relief they needed, but you know, it was it was hard to figure out what to do um, with budgets because budgets are up and down, and they are it is a crazy wild industry just with uh, the structure of cannabis as well. Yeah. And again, I wish I would have had more foresight into knowing how the industry would evolve. It's you know we started with 14 products, now we have 400. Yeah. So it's yeah. So like the and, you know. Wholesale prices have cut in half, so which you know changes revenues. And so I wish I would have to answer your question, Paul. I would have done more research into other industries in their infancy mm. to kind of forecast how our industry would go. Like I, I assume that wholesale prices would go down, and, mm. and you know, and how the money changes throughout time. But yeah, it's uh, just more research into other industries. Gotcha. That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah, I just want to just want to mention, like, if there was one uh, thing that the chamber could do for for you, what would that be? What would that look like? I would say um, probably the support of our business professionals in this town and just in general. You know, five years into cannabis legalization, there's still a stigma around it. There's still a stigma of somebody walking into a cannabis store and being judged. You know, would you go into a liquor store and see your customers or your coworkers and feel judged? Probably not. Probably say, hey, what are you getting tonight? Why isn't that in cannabis yet? And that would be the support that I would ask for for business professionals, especially on the chamber, 
is to make it a viable, viable industry. Pay taxes just like everybody else. Our customers, you know, they have. Sometimes they feel like they have to sneak into our store, and they shouldn't. And and it's the supporting the advocacy of our industry that that I would ask for. I am so glad that we got a chance to get to this because I I really agree, and I want you to know. You can wave at me when I'm visiting Rocky Mountain Collective, so thank you. Very and welcome. we will absolutely step up that advocacy as well. I think that's really important. Great. Very Appreciate well the support, yeah. All right, well, we can probably wrap up. Thank you so much for mm -hmm. taking the time to chat with us today. Well, always. Yeah, thanks a lot, Trevor. So, yeah, with that being said, we'll wrap it up. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on Chamber Chatter. It was great to get to know a bit about you and your business. Thanks for joining us today, and until next time, this is your host at the Hinton Chamber, signing off. Thank Bye. you.